You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to another episode of the Noble and Roosh Show. I'm Roosh Williams, along with Zach Noble. Actually, I'm filling in as uh, Aaron Noble today, and it doesn't look like she's changed uh, her name on the old Zoom, so that's unfortunate. <laughs> I see where I stand and, on my uh, wife's computer here. today. We are here with our guest, Trevor Lane. Trevor, thank you for taking the time, man. How are you doing today? Oh, no problem. I'm doing well. How about you? Doing well. Cannot complain. Just another day, man. Just another day. I'm um, excited because my Astros beat the Twins, so I'm happy about that. But uh, other than that, we are getting it going, man. So talk to us. Uh, what is going on with the Lakers? What is team morale? How are people feeling? What is your outlook? Let's just dive right in. I mean, obviously, you know, heading into the NBA Finals for the first time in 10 years, people are excited. People are very fired up about the Lakers being there. It feels like it's been a lot longer than, than the Lakers are used to where they've been down. They've had what six straight seasons in a row where they didn't make the playoffs, including one last season with LeBron James. So yeah, I mean, people are very pumped, very excited for the Lakers to be back in the NBA finals and have the chance to win a 17th NBA championship, which would tie the league record. So it's uh, it's an exciting time right now for Lakers fans and uh, man, a big, big turnaround, 180 degrees compared to last year and the last five, six years. Yeah, As a Minnesota to... fan, I'm tempted to claim those six championships. I'm, I'm torn. I mean, I, <laughs> I've never seen a championship in my life. So that's, that's, we'll save that for another day and go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> that's yeah. fair enough. I mean, that's something that, that I'm sure we can, we can argue over for a while. But, uh, but yeah, Mine, I, yours. Think the, I think both sides can claim a little bit of that, right? <laughs> Why not? Why not? Hey, did you grow up a Lakers fan then or just grow wanting to cover the NBA and stumble your way into it no so I, I actually grew up a, a Lakers fan the earliest memory I, I have is of watching the Showtime Lakers Magic and Kareem flying up the court so I, it's something that I was born into and now I'm fortunate enough to get to cover the team that I that I legitimately followed on a daily basis uh, uh, you know near obsessive about about the Lakers and now I get to cover them so I, I'm very fortunate in that regard it's amazing, man. That's 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 the dream right there. I mean, having a team that's that successful and being able to cover them, and it's pretty cool. You're able to fulfill that and do it up right now. And um, what do you what are you thinking right now? I mean, the performance they've had in these first couple rounds. Like, how do you feel about this team coming in here? Yeah, I mean, you got to feel confident, but I'm almost seeing a few Lakers fans that I feel like are too confident because. <laughs> This Miami Heat team is good. They're they're no joke. Uh, they're twelve and three, just like the Lakers are, are twelve and three uh, in the playoffs. But uh, you got to feel good when you've got you know LeBron James and Anthony Davis are probably the top two players in the series. The Miami Heat probably have a little bit more depth. They're a bit more well rounded of a team. But in most years, superstars win win championships. Um, I say most because Lakers fans all remember two thousand four. 
and what happened that year going up against the Detroit Pistons. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, fans are, are confident right now. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I put this out in a tweet yesterday. I said, you know, being confident in the Lakers and respecting what the Miami Heat bring are not mutually exclu- exclusive things. So that's, that's right about where I am. I understand the threat that the Miami Heat offer and think it's going to be a tremendous challenge, but I also believe that the Lakers can get the job done. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, it's hard to disagree. Um, the Lakers have – I know some Lakers fans have been feeling like underdogs, I guess, based on how they felt they've, the, that the team has been portrayed by different members of the media. Um, I've seen like an underdog mentality kind of taken by some Lakers fans. But to that, to that extent, I mean, the Lakers have kind of trampled everyone in their way. They may drop an early game. Um, they may, you know, look kind of lackluster early in the series, and then they close extremely strong. And I think that's re- a reflection – of the leadership of LeBron James, kind of them going as he decides to turn it on. Um, like you mentioned, obviously they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, of course. Um, and it's just really hard to see that level of star power being overridden by what the Heat bring. Now, the Heat do kind of have an interesting parallel to the Pistons that you were alluding to in 04. Um, they're tough, defensive-minded, gritty. They have a bunch of guys that can get you from all different angles. And this specific uh, iteration of the Miami Heat as two of the most clutch shooters I think I've seen in a while in Tyler Harrow and um, Duncan Robinson. So it should be interesting. Um, What are your thoughts on if the Lakers employ their playoff zone and if they do, um, what type of success they may or may not see with it? Um, I mean, first of all, the the underdog thing that you've seen from some Lakers fans, that's tongue in cheek that's you know kind of poking at the people who kept saying oh you know the Lakers aren't as good as the the Blazers the Blazers are going to beat them or James Harden and the and the uh (laughs) and the Rockets are going to get them and so it's kind of just it's it's all in jest but um as far as the zone the Lakers did go to zone uh a few times they threw it at the Denver Nuggets and and forced some turnovers in game three which was their one loss of the series and actually worked really well uh but Frank Vogel head coach did call it a junk defense I don't know if it's something we're going to see a ton the Miami Heat on the other hand they do use the zone quite a bit and they've been very effective with it I would expect the Lakers to be very well versed in how to counter that zone LeBron James being so smart same thing with Rondo even Anthony Davis these are guys who should be able to pick a zone apart but the game plan to beat the Lakers has been throughout the playoffs and it has been for a while to force them into being a jump shooting team. If you can keep them out of the paint and make them play half court offense and shoot jump shots, you've got a good shot because they're not a great shooting team. And they have nights where they go very, very cold game one against the Blazers. They shot 16% from deep Uh, game three against the Nuggets. They're 26%. So you never know when they're going to have a really, really off night shooting the ball, and then you can pick up a win on them. So a zone defense would encourage more outside shots unless the Lakers are getting into the teeth of that defense and figuring out ways to break it down from there. Um, It's going to be interesting to see, but I will say that so far, Frank Vogel and his coaching staff have done a really good job of adjusting, maybe not mid-game, but game-to-game to what the other team is throwing at them. And so I think whatever Miami fires at them if they're able to get a win the Lakers will come out with some adjustments in the next game at least that's what we've seen from them so far in these playoffs they just need a Jamal Murray Damian Lillard shimmy or some kind of celebration early and then it just is a wrap right after that it's just ridiculous how that's worked out uh, it's been pretty they funny just need actually. something to take personally that's it <laughs> no exactly but never, never feed the beast man I've never understood that you never feed the beast especially when LeBron James is on that team it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. in my opinion no, I'm, 
speaking of that, I mean, top tier talent and then bringing up the Pistons, like I've been thinking long and hard in this and going over every NBA team of all time, every champion really. And honestly, outside of that 2004 Pistons in the last 20 years, first of all, I mean, the 2014 Spurs are the only team I can think of that didn't have a top five player. And so the Lakers having two of them, I, I just think the Heat don't really stand a chance in my estimation, but I think it's going to be a series really similar to the Heat and Celtics where I think the Heat are going to get a game or two and the Celtics, I mean, the Lakers just don't really bring 100% those games and just kind of throw in the towel early. Um, and then it just doesn't, towards the end of the game, it just kind of falters and falls apart a little bit. But um, I just, I don't, I'm not really sure how the Heat, I mean, keep every game close, you know? I mean, I just don't see it. I mean, what are your biggest cur concerns from the Heat side of things, Trevor? Uh, it's the three-point shooting. I mean, that is the great equalizer. You've got a Lakers right. team that does most, most of their scoring in the paint, and they do very well there. They are the top field goal percentage team in the playoffs. The Miami Heat, though, can get hot from behind the arc very, very quickly. Um, they have off nights, too, but when you've got a guy like Duncan Robinson, you've got Tyler Hero, you've got these guys who can shoot 40% from three, if they come in and put up 15 points, that adds up, and next thing you know, you're in a real dogfight. And so that's, um, that's the concern, really. Miami's not going to do a ton at the rim. They do get Bam out of bio diving to the basket at times, and he is a, a force in there. Ultimately, you're right. If you're comparing the, the best two, if you're taking, what, Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio versus LeBron and Anthony Davis, the Lakers have an advantage there. The question is, do the Heat have an advantage over the rest of the roster? And I think you could argue that they, that they do. And oh, is yeah. that enough to make up for the difference that's, that exists between LeBron and AD versus – uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. Again, if the Heat start hitting threes, if they get, well, no pun intended, but if they get hot, that, um, that could pose a problem for the Lakers. I think that's the one thing I'm really going to be keeping an eye on the defensive end is how well they do contesting behind the arc. You know, I, I think if I was a Miami Heat fan, um, in full disclosure, I will be rooting for the Miami Heat in, this, in these finals, but we'll see how that plays out. But if I, if I was from, you know, if I was a Miami Heat fan, I'd be encouraged by the fact that, look, the Heat went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Bucks, um, who are much bigger than them and who do have post-scoring in a guy like Brooke, Brooke Lopez, and they do have a top-five player, obviously, in Giannis. Or that's what we've been told. We can discuss that another time. But um, – and they were obviously able to dismantle the Bucks with relative ease. One thing that I think will be interesting to look at is the Lakers have yet to face in these playoffs – a team that has a front court playmaker with the level of athleticism and defense that Bam can bring. Um, obviously, they went up against Jokic, who doesn't bring the same level of defensive intensity or ability, um, nor does he have the same level of athleticism. And the Rockets were obviously small. Uh, maybe Jeremy Grant was kind of like that athletic forward, but not on the same level as Bam. So maybe, maybe Miami does have someone that I'm not going to say can cancel or negate what Anthony Davis brings, but can kind of help you out in that matchup to even things out across the board. The other thing that would encourage me um, if I was rooting for the Heat is that on paper they have a couple bodies that you'd think would be the type of body to throw at LeBron James. I've never really bought into the idea that you can throw a body at LeBron James because he kind of bounces anyone off that you throw at him unless it's prime Kawhi maybe. But, you know, Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, guys, 6'8", uh, that are strong, not not as heavy or strong as, as strong as LeBron, but in theory, on paper, you'd like to think that they can kind of relatively win their matchup. So they have some interesting 
um, makeup on their roster. And then finally, Trevor mentioned the shooting. But in addition to that, uh, Miami has a lot of players that can dribble, dribble, penetrate, and create, right? They can get you from different angles. I got Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, who's had a great playoffs. Don't, don't underestimate what he's done. Um, you know, Harrow can actually create, not at the same level that you might think with some other players, but he can get in there and shoot, create his own shot. So they have a lot of different guys that can get you from different angles, and they might be that type of team that is tough to box in and tough to get a full grasp on because anything you throw at them, they have some form of counter for. But it is hard to see. It's hard to see L.A. losing. Um, my pick would be L.A. in six if I had to go, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I think it's going to be interesting, though, because Miami has that never never quit, you know, right. never back down mentality, and, and that's the kind of intangible that goes a long way, and they've proven it so far. So we'll see uh, how things play yeah. out. That's absolutely part of the challenge with with the Heat is, um, you know, their three-point shooting, a lot of it, it's not just guys standing around the perimeter. A lot of it is, is generated by driving kicks. So it's guys, like you mentioned, Drogic, and, uh, and you've got others like Tyler Hero uh, getting into the paint. Exactly. And, and then, and, uh, and Duncan Robinson, his ability to shoot off of a curl is ridiculous, especially at 6'7". So he's already bringing the ball up pretty high. It's hard to contest that. And so that's uh, a challenge. And then the other piece of it is you look at what the Lakers have faced so far with Portland. It's, hey, what can we do to frustrate Damian Lillard? If we can do that, everything else is fine. Same thing with, with Harden and Houston. Same thing with Jamal Murray and Jokic with the Denver Nuggets. There were these focal points. And you can say with Miami, okay, the focal point is, is Bam and, and Jimmy Butler. And they are, but they also have very balanced scoring, more balanced than the teams they've seen previously. So it's a little bit more difficult to say, hey, if we just try to lock down this guy, this one guy, then we're good. It's going to be smooth sailing. That's not the way the Heat played. It is a lot more evenly distributed. So that is going to be a challenge in and of itself. It'll be interesting to see how the Lakers scheme things defensively. And you know Frank Vogel is a defense-first coach, so I'm sure he's got some plans. But whether or not they work, well, we'll have to wait to find out. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep Dwight out of foul trouble um, early and often. I mean, with Bam, that's – the physicality Roosh mentioned there, I mean, that's going to be one of the biggest things I'm going to be looking out for. Um, I think Lakers have the big rebounding advantage here, being one of the top offensive rebounding teams. I'm just curious to see if they change up lineups and just the how they, they play, I mean, adjustments, I mean, personnel-wise, um, right away and then throughout. I mean, I don't think the Heat are going to change at all on that end of things. But the Lakers, I mean, outside of the top two are just so sporadic, and I think they can be bouncing all over the place. Do you guys see um, either team changing personnel at all? Um, the Lakers might, but they won't do it until they're forced to, and that's what we've okay. seen, right? That's what we've right. seen with, with Houston. They started big until they realized, okay, Houston's going to beat us if we stay big. We need to go small, and then they did. Uh, against the Nuggets, it was, hey, we're going to start JaVale McGee until there was definite proof the Nuggets beat them all right, Dwight, you're starting now. He had been more effective. So if, uh, if Miami comes out and they beat the Lakers and they're using a particular strategy and the Lakers could benefit by switching something, they'll do it. But it takes getting beat first or getting close to being beat before Frank Vogel will go ahead and make that switch. But he is willing to do it. He's not, he's not so stubborn that he won't make those changes. But if it's clear that he can't win playing the way he is, then they'll go ahead and change things up. And that's, that's one of the nice things about the Lakers roster is they have the versatility to, when I say go small, you're, you're talking about Anthony Davis at center and, and like a Markeith Morris at power forward, which is not really that small. It's just has a little bit more floor spacing, a little bit more defensive versatility than their true big lineup with all the rim protection of, you know, JaVale or Dwight and, and Anthony Davis.
What do you think, Roosh? Any personnel changes on your end? Yeah, I mean, to, to Trevor's credit, I mean, well, to Frank Vogel's credit, like Trevor mentioned, he's shown <laughs> good job coaching the Lakers. We're giving it all to Trevor, baby. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Why not? <laughs> um, but, no, Frank Vogel has shown that he's willing to make adjustments when necessary. Um, much Look, Mike, Mike D'Antoni was on the other end of that spectrum to his own detriment to the extent that he – I mean, he didn't lose his job over it, but it definitely put him on the hot seat, right? Yes. You have to be willing to make adjustments in the playoffs. Zach, like we talked about with Seiko, you know, a couple of weeks back, sometimes it comes down to what is, you know, what is it that a coach is willing to do in crunch time, in the right moments uh, to maximize their chances to win. So I think Trevor's right as far as the Lakers go with Miami. It's hard to see them expanding to, I mean, the only, only people I could see them adding to their rotation that kind of have fallen out of the rotation as far as uh, at least the Eastern Conference Finals would be Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Freaking Myers Leonard or Kelly Olynyk, and I just don't see where those guys fit in unless they're there for need, right? Maybe they need an extra body to go with JaVale or something like that and play Myers Leonard. I don't know. Um, I mean, if the Lakers come out big, I mean, I could definitely see him diving into Myers. Um, I don't think it'd be in Miami's best interest to do so. I think they're best suited if they play with their, quote, smaller lineup um, where they spread the floor. Um, and I mean, Myers can spread the floor as well, but you're going to want to contain dribble penetration, and I feel like they're going to want more quick-footed defenders in order to achieve that. And another person I forgot to mention, by the way, as far as bodies to throw LeBron, uh, Andre Iguodala. You know, oh, it's not unreal. Right? Obviously, he's whatever, 35, 36, whatever he is now. So he's not what he used to be, but he's still a very high IQ defender, still has length and athleticism. So um, on paper, I think that all bodes well for Miami. But as far as adjustments, I think – Teams are going to come in and, you know, go with what they've been going with and adjust where necessary. I don't think either coach is, you know, uh, has been immune to adjustments. And another thing to, to look out for is who wins the coaching battle. I mean, Eric Spolster is a great coach. Frank Vogel's had a really good run. He's been – he had a good – did a good job with the Pacers back in the day as well, so I don't underestimate him. Um, but Eric Spolster is a hell of a coach. So I think they'll adjust. Yeah, agreed. I, I think that, that Spolster has got the edge in terms of the, the coaching battle. Um, and that's not to take anything away from Frank Vogel at all. He's at, I mean, look, we, there were people in LA talking about, okay, well, by December, Jason Kidd's going to be the head coach. Right. So, and it was ridiculous. And that, yeah. And that, and that hasn't happened because Vogel has done such a great job with this team. He has legitimately done a fantastic job, but that doesn't put him up to the Spolster level because of what we've seen from him over so many years with Miami. So he's a tremendous coach. He's going to throw in a lot of wrinkles and the Lakers are going to have to be prepared for it. But I do give the advantage to the Miami heat, even though Vogel has admittedly been, been extremely good this season. Sure. Uh, I was going to say, if anyone knows LeBron, it's Eric Spolstra. Um, obviously this is an elder, elder version of LeBron, but you'd have to think that there are little things he could glean here and there just from his experience with them. So. Mm -hmm. Trevor, one thing I'm gathering and I'm just loving hearing you talk about it is Frank Vogel. I mean, it sounds like you have a lot of respect for him and he's climbed up your charts a lot. And I mean, just this season's done a lot for you. I mean, is that the case or do you think it's more so obviously that the talent on this team is unmatched with the top two guys? And, but you could say two top five players, a lot of people would say. I mean, LeBron being number one, Anthony Davis, wherever. But I mean, what is this season? of Frank Vogel done for you um, in his respect? 
Uh, it's impressed me a lot. I mean, I don't think it's not like you look at the Lakers offense and you say, oh, my gosh, that's just a beautiful offense that that's a, a revolutionary system they're running. You know, it's not like uh, D'Antoni with the seven seconds or less sons that changed the way basketball is being played for the next 15 years. Um, it, that's not his style, but he's a very good defensive coach. And more than that, I think what he's done this season in, in two areas. And these are two areas that actually I did a video earlier today on this for the Lakers Nation YouTube channel about Doc Rivers and the reason why he's no longer with the Clippers are the same things that Vogel has succeeded at this season. And that is he's been willing to change things when it's been apparent that there needs to be changes. And, and Doc Rivers was not willing to do that with Montrezl Harrell in the playoffs and then managing the personalities. Doc Rivers struggled with that with Paul George and some teammates resenting him and the treatment he got. And Frank Vogel's in a similar situation with two star players. And yet this team has had chemistry. And a lot of that credit does go to the players but Frank Vogel, what's impressed me the most is that he has walked a very fine line and it's extremely difficult to do between empowering the players and making sure they have a voice while still maintaining his own authority. That is a difficult, difficult sure. balancing act, but he has involved LeBron, involved Anthony Davis, involved the veterans on the team in the decision-making process. Um, there's been times in games where he's gone to players like Contavious Caldwell-Pope and like LeBron and straight up asked them, should I use the challenge here and trusted them to give him an honest answer on the floor of what they saw. And, and that tells you that coach believes in his players and in turn, the players have, have bought in and they believed in him. So it's not so much the X's and O's that I'm just blown away with this season by, by Vogel. It's the other stuff that comes with being a coach that he has really excelled at this year. Yeah, I mean, coming into this year, I didn't really look at Vogel as a player's coach, you can say. And, yeah, I mean, everything you said, I agree with that he's really become that guy. And I think the players love him and respect him. He seems like just a, a dude in the locker room. I mean, going more towards like an Eric Spolstra's type where everybody just loves him, regardless of how strict or um, how happy-go-lucky he can be from time to time. Um, at the end of the day, it's business. Uh, but looking over – your lifetime of all your championships you've collected, I guess. I mean, where would this title rank for you all time personally? Um, it can't be question. that high. It cannot be that hey, high. Dude, stop. Come on. Oh, you're, killing the, you're killing the vibe here. I, I think it has to be high. <laughs> Absolutely. It's got to be go. up there. Um, and, that's, and that's largely because of, of Kobe, right? So you look at – Look at uh, 2010 is always going to be one that I that I hold hold dear, right? Because that's a victory over the Boston Celtics and and everything that happened there. That game seven, I was you know living and dying uh, on the edge of my seat the entire time. That was number uh, one for you right now. That's that's got to be number one um, as far as you know championships I experienced in my lifetime. Most of the ones in the 80s, like I remember, but not all that yeah. well. Uh, the you know the 2001 where the the Lakers went what like 15 and one in the playoffs. That was that one's obviously special, but. But this one, if you look at what's happened, you look at how far this team has come, right? I mean, six years of not making the playoffs, um, of just having one thing after another, Kobe's Achilles, Julius Randle's leg, Dr. Jerry Buss passes away, on and on and on and on and on, one thing after another happening, uh, discord in the front office. And, and then this season, there's finally this, this harmony where the guys are all on the same page. They're not fighting with each other. They, they all want to have success, and, they've, and they're, they're winning basketball games faster than we thought they would. Uh, we, took, we thought it was going to take a while for the chemistry to develop, and this team clicked 
right away. And then, of course, Kobe passing away just, I mean, that was a gut punch back in January. Uh, but since then, the team has been really striving to try to live up to what he embodied. And they've been keeping everything he did at the forefront. And that's why you see the Black Mamba jerseys. That's why you see LeBron wearing the, the finger sleeve with the 24 on it. And they talk about him all the time. And so because of that aspect of it, to win a championship here it, with the you know win it for Kobe kind of mentality, I think that would, would make this one very special. Now I think it's unfortunate that uh, we, if, if that is to be, that it wouldn't take place at Staples Center. Um, oh, it's heartbreaking. That's it, true. It sucks, yeah. but I mean, that's the world we're in now. I mean, it's. No, I, I know. I'm just saying, just in, in light of everything, you know, obviously with, with respect to Kobe, you know, the moment would seem full, cir full circle in full in general in the right environment, you know, so it's unfortunate. Um, but we can't assume anything yet. Still, the whole series to be played. But, um, but yeah. I mean, it's really hard as an outsider looking in and to be that sympathetic and feel for a franchise with that much riches, I guess, and the second greatest franchise of all time and right there neck and neck. I mean, some people would say the greatest franchise of all time in the NBA landscape, but everything you just mentioned there, I mean, it's a hell of a story. And I mean, they, I mean, they've gone through a lot of shit over the last six, seven years. And especially this year, I mean, me personally, I mean, Kobe's was one of the main reasons what got me into basketball. So, I mean, there's definitely reasons why I'd be very happy for the Lakers. And um, even as an MJ guy, I mean, I, it just inches him even closer for me. And there's a big storyline there and everything. So, I mean, there's there's a lot at stake here for both teams. And I think the storylines are as, are as good as they get for an NBA Finals. I mean, I'm really excited about it um, overall. Um, thinking about that in regards to like legacies, I guess, um, what do you guys each think that um, this would do for one LeBron's career all time and then Anthony Davis as well all time? So, um, yeah, I mean, and I don't want to present it as like, you know, the Lakers have had such a tough time and everybody else has had it easy. There are teams who have been out of the playoffs a lot longer than, than the Lakers. Don't give me this wrong, guy. But, yeah. But, um, but as far as legacy goes, and I was talking about this earlier today, um, I, I think what it does is if LeBron wins it, LeBron wins a championship this year, and now he has a championship with three different franchises, I think it reopens the, the greatest of all time conversation in terms of LeBron versus Jordan. Does it put him ahead of Jordan? I don't know. I feel like at this point in time, we are so conditioned to say Jordan is the greatest ever. It's like if someone asks you what's two plus two. For that, that's just the answer. <laughs> Who's the greatest ever? It's Jordan. That's it, right? Um, and there isn't a lot of room for, for any variance in there. But I think if LeBron gets this one, it at least reignites the conversation. Although what I think is going to be extremely interesting is what if the Lakers win it and Anthony LeBron Davis wins the MVP. There it is. What if Anthony Davis is the finals MVP? Exactly. Then what? Then the, the immediate response is going to be, oh, well, he see, he's not even the best player on his own team. He's not better than Jordan, you know. So it'll be interesting to see the back and forth. But, um, I, but I do that. think it, it at least reignites that conversation. Um, but it also, in terms of the legacy for the franchise, to tie the Boston Celtics obviously would be, would be amazing for the franchise. And then, of course, coming through a, a difficult year and going through everything that's happened this year, 
um, there would certainly be that that kind of emotional sense of of fulfillment as well. Yeah, I mean, as far as legacies go, I think Trevor's right. It, it does open up the discussion again. Um, I'm I'm a strict Jordan guy still, and I think I think winning a title with three different with three different teams as the star player would be incredibly impressive. Um, but I always I always just want to remind people every time we get enamored with what LeBron has done, which LeBron is again arguably the greatest player of all time, so he's incredible. I always try to remind myself, yo, uh, Jordan three-peated twice. And I think we forget, we get caught up in the moment, you know, like we get so impressed with the Warriors going back to back and even losing a couple times. We forget one team won three in a row and they did it twice. And the only thing that stopped them technically was themselves. And I say that as a Rockets fan, uh, whether the Rockets would beat the Bulls, we can have that discussion. But um, so I think that's incredibly impressive. It does open up the discussion again. And I think the main reason it opens up the discussion is because LeBron is not slowing down anytime soon, right? So it's like, <laughs> it can happen again next season. And then again, and then here we are having, you know, real, real questions about who is the greatest. So um, that's the main takeaway for me is LeBron is not slowing down anytime soon. It's kind of like when you thought the Spurs would be done at some point when Tim Duncan turned 36, 37, that was not the case. They kept ticking and they kept humming. And LeBron James is the same thing. Um, what I think is interesting, most interesting, is how the narrative now will change around Anthony Davis. So Trevor, as I said, I'm a Rockets fan. Um, James Harden is, you know, obviously the guy I go to bat for. And prior to Anthony Davis' stint with the Lakers, Anthony Davis was, by all objective measures, kind of a failure as far as his star status goes, right? He had only won one playoff series. Um, I don't even know what his playoff record was. Obviously, it was a losing record. Um, and then on the like, other hand, you're... like six and thirty something. Yeah, just something ridiculous. Yeah. Just got pummeled every year. Won one series. Um, and I say that as someone who supports Harden, who gets trashed for not having won a title yet. Now, nothing against Anthony Davis. He's an incredible player. But it's funny. I just I just want to point out. It's funny how narratives change when all of a sudden you become teammates with LeBron James, right? Like, do we think that there's anyone, do we do we really think if James Harden, for example, was the team with LeBron James, that we'd see a different result, meaning that the Lakers have a couple. The finals? You know what I mean? So I think it's going to be interesting to track how the narratives around Anthony Davis change. To be fair, he hit that huge shot against Denver. He's earned every bit of his keep in this playoff run. But it's kind of, it gives me the vibes of KD and Golden State. Yes, he was a killer. Yes, he did everything that they asked him to do and more, and he earned every bit of that. But it's like, what did, you know, we didn't expect you to not. So the expectations are different. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that's kind of my takeaway. I wanted to ask you, Trevor, where does this put, if the Lakers finish it off, where does this put LeBron on the Lakers of all time, the top Lakers of all time list? After two uh, years, this is interesting. That's, that, yeah, that's going to be tough because he's, you know, he's only been with the franchise for, for a couple of years. I mean, he's still up there, but he's certainly not above you know kareem or jerry west kobe i mean i think kobe is the greatest laker of all time he's of two decades in la and doing what he did uh you know of course magic johnson and all of these guys so he's he's among those top guys as a laker uh, but he's not he's not the top guy at least not in my mind and and you know you mentioned anthony davis joins up with with lebron james and that uh does that kind of like take away from it is it like kevin durant joining the Golden State Warriors, but you also mentioned about all the, the stuff that, that James Harden gets for not winning a championship and not, and not winning and how that can shift the narrative. So, I mean, that's why we see star players that, that leave, that don't want to stay in a, a situation where they don't feel like 
they can win because of how history is going to remember them. I mean, one of the things I always wonder is, you know, what if, what if you swapped out Kobe Bryant and Tracy McGrady? How do we look at Kobe now? How do we look at, at T-Mac? Is, is that flipped? Because he was so insanely talented, but just could never fully get over when those, and I remember when those discussions were a real thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, like it was yesterday. Absolutely. And just quick touching on that. I mean, there's many, not many. There's there's a few players, I think, if you swapped Kobe during those Shaq runs, they would still win, yes. But it doesn't necessarily take away a ton from Kobe because he won those two later in life that are mean everything. Uh, but T-Mac is not the guy because of injuries to me. I mean, the injuries, I think, they. I don't know if they even would have won with T-Mac based on injuries. Um, I'd have to go look at those exact years if he was injured those years, <laughs> but that's that's what it comes down to for me. Um, T-Mac started getting injured in Houston after his first season, so like, yeah, I want to say it was after '05 is when he started getting hurt, and then he put on weight once the one one off season, put on muscle like 15 pounds of muscle, started having back issues, which I don't understand why he would have put on 15 pounds of muscle because that's what happens you get hurt, but. But no, yeah. I mean, look, it doesn't take anything away from Anthony Davis. I'm not trying to say it takes anything away. I'm just trying to reflect on how it's funny how we remember them differently as a result. See, I'm oh, sure. Trevor, you're more, it sounds like you're more of an old school guy. 90s was my era of basketball, my favorite era. <clears throat> and, I, and I obviously, I mean, I love the game today, but what I hate is it, when you look at people remembering the game, they forget some of the great teams just because they didn't win at all. Like the, like the, the Supersonics of the 90s were incredible, right? Yep. They ran into Michael Jordan, and so they didn't win at all. The Jazz, as much as I, you know, did as much as disdain as I had for that franchise growing up and for that specific iteration of their team, they were a hell of a team. And we just kind of laughed at them and laughed at Carl Malone because he didn't win a championship. Charles Barkley, same thing, he ran into the uh, to Michael Jordan, right, and so on and so forth. So I just wish that we, it's more, it's more so my commentary on how we remember the players because Anthony Davis is a great player. James Harden is a great player. Um, they had different scenarios and like they just ran into different competition and sometimes it bounces the way it bounces, you know, but now you see just because he's with LeBron James, he will be remembered differently. And I feel like there's so many other players of incredible talent that don't get that fortunate situation. I think it's unfortunate. No, I love that you say it. I mean, context is everything. And if you're going to have a in-depth conversation, really break it down. I mean, the players around you, the injuries, all that stuff matters. Um, it's context is everything when you're talking the greatest of all time and putting in true perspective. Um, but with that said, uh, real quick, I want to say Anthony Davis, if he wins this year, when he, when he wins this year, cause I think they're going to, um, he becomes a top 40 player ish for me all the time. If he wins the finals MVP, it's probably going to be in that top 35 vicinity there. Uh, but if LeBron wins, I've been saying this for years, if he gets to five, I think, he can pass LeBron for me. I mean, pass MJ for me. He'd become the great. Uh, but with that said, there will always be mentality, defensive, and just skill set, like the mid-range and the post moves that lean MJ's way for me. It's where LeBron makes up for it is the longevity. That's where the gap comes in and where LeBron can overtake MJ for me all the time. Um, with that said... Um, going back to talking about the great teams and competition and contacts, um, this Heat team, is this the best team the Lakers will face on this 
this path. I think it will be because they're fully healthy. Everybody talked about before the playoffs starting, they could have been one of the hardest runs of all time. But what they didn't realize, C.J. McCollum had a bad back. Yusuf Nurkic was just getting back from injury. That was an easy series because they weren't 100% at all. No Zach Collins. Um, they were pretty banged up overall, and they never played together all year as a cohesive team. And then Houston was the same way. They weren't even near 100%. I mean, MDA was in retirement mode. I mean, Russell Westbrook just getting back from an injury. I'm not trying to tear down the Lakers run here, but it's definitely hasn't been the hardest run whatsoever. What's I'm just talking up the heat more so than anything here. I think the heat are the best challenge they could have along the way here. And I'm glad they're facing them. I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on what I just said there? I mean, so, so basically you're asking really, are the heat better than, than the nuggets? Cause I think we could say yes. that the nuggets probably played the best in, in the playoffs, right. Between the nuggets, the rockets and, and the blazers. I think the nuggets pushed the Lakers probably more than any team had. Uh, so if those two teams were go to head to head to head, yeah, I would probably give the edge to the Heat because as, as well as the Nuggets played together, I feel like the Heat have played the best team basketball that we've seen in the playoffs. They don't have the top talents, but Correct. they've played the best team basketball. So I think that is going to present a challenge. Um, ultimately, are LeBron and Anthony Davis good enough? And then maybe you get some contributions from, you know, maybe a Kyle Kuzma gets hot one night or a Caruso or, or, uh, or Contavious Caldwell-Pope or, or whoever. Is that enough? to to counter what the Miami Heat bring maybe it will be but I do think they are going to be the the toughest challenge so far for the Lakers yeah I mean I agree with that I think I think they are the best team the Lakers are going to have faced I made a tweet um I don't know a week or two ago talking about how the Lakers fan base was overhyping the difficulty of their run and I was misinterpreted because what I was trying to say is you get the one seed you get the one seed so you can have the easiest path period for sure that's the point. And they earned that one seed. So like there should be no qualms about playing an eight seed, regardless of what condition they're, you know, uh, CJ's back in back is in or whatever. It still was one of the tougher eight seeds just cause Damian Lillard, I'd say. I mean, I, look, going in, I was, I was against that notion. Cause if you play, if you paid attention to how they played, they were going down to the wire against depleted teams, Memphis, Brooklyn, they weren't that good, really. I mean, they, they played, they had some games. I'm not saying the Blazers were 100%. I just, that's what I said beforehand. But, I mean, still having Damian Lillard, there's very few eight seeds ever that have that type of talent. No, that's not true. No, that's not true. The Bulls had Michael Jordan. The Rockets have had James Harden. Like the In their early had, years. I'm just saying, there, there's teams that have singular, like, incredible talent. Didn't uh, – what were the Cavs? Were, did the Cavs make the playoffs as, like, a seven or eight seed early on? LeBron's rookie year? I can't remember. I'll give, I mean, I'll give you that. There's definitely teams in the history of the game for sure. But My point is my point is that the Blazers were playing like they were playing – they were giving everything they had and they were barely beating teams like Brooklyn and Memphis that were depleted, that were not at 100%. So you could see – and Portland doesn't play defense. So, like, you just knew that – I, or at least I was not surprised at all when the Lakers came in and shut them down because they're so good defensively. Um, but anyways, the point is, look – you get the one seed so that you can coast. Like, that's why everyone wants the one seed, period. And so the Lakers earned that. Did they coast? Are the teams that they played low quality? No, the Rockets were good, uh, incapable of adjusting, which did them in. Um, the Nuggets were good. I don't think anyone expected them to beat the Clippers, and I think that people feel like the Lakers got off because they didn't play the Clippers, but that's on the Clippers. The Clippers lost. Like, you can't fault the Lakers for that. Um, 
I would have thought before the playoffs started that their best challenge would have been Milwaukee. I think that's incorrect <laughs> now right. that we look at it right sure. before the playoffs started. Um, but I think Miami will be the best team they face. I don't think Miami's a slouch team at all. Like, I, like we said, they don't have the top-end talent, but they compete. They're well-coached, and they're talented across the board. And maybe when you're facing a team like the Lakers that do have such top-end talent, maybe that's the way to beat them, right? Because you're not going to outmatch them two for two. LeBron versus AD individually, right? Like even Kawhi and Paul George, that's not superior to LeBron and AD. Harden and Westbrook, Jokic and Murray, so on and so forth, right? Those, those tandems are not superior to LeBron and AD. So maybe the way to beat them is to be more talented across the board, spread it out. Um, and kind of come with like that type of approach, you know, you know, when you're hooping at like a rec gym or whatever, and you got the stack team, or so you think because you got the two best dudes on the team, and then all of a sudden, there's a dude of just like five guys that are mid, but they come and they run you because they know how to play together, you know, <laughs> maybe it'll be one of those scenarios, we'll see. Love it. So let's wrap up with this. I mean, Trevor, you want to give your prediction, um, how you see this thing playing out? Who's your finals MVP? And um, what percentage chance do you give the Heat um, zero to 100? Also, uh, so I've been saying I've actually also throw in your underrated happening. What what will be under the radar that will be like a big thing to to track throughout the series? Okay, so I've got on the series. I've actually predicted every single series the same, and it's been nice. Lakers in six, and they've won and they've won them in five. So I, I'm going to stick with that though. I'm going to say Lakers in six. This this Miami team is definitely good enough to win two games. So, uh, so I will go Lakers and six. As far as finals MVP, I think it's going to be LeBron. I think if it's close, narrative matters, and, and LeBron will get the nod just because he's the, you know, the older player, and, and who knows what we'll see from him in the future, whether or not he'll continue to be immortal like he is right now or, or not. Um, and then as far as an underrated happening, um, something people wouldn't be expecting to see that they will. Um, I mean, I almost feel like people are starting to expect even more out of Alex Caruso, but I think that on this stage, people are going to finally understand just how good defensively Alex Caruso is. Um, that's been my battle for, for much of the season has been people saying, well, Alex Caruso scored three points on the night and grabbed four rebounds and, a, and one Terrible. assist. Like, why do you say he's good? And when you look at what he does on defense, he is, right. is extremely fundamentally sound there. And I think that's going to matter against a team that moves the ball as well as the Miami Heat do, that you have a guy who can recover and, uh, and make up ground quickly like Caruso can. So I think that even though this is a guy who was in the G League last year, I think he's going to shine as a player that's, uh, that's critical to the Lakers' success. What percentage would you give the Heat? Oh, yeah. Uh, percentage I give the Heat, I'd say 35% chance. I, I definitely have the Lakers as the, the favorite. But, again, I just see a team that plays so well together. Sometimes yeah. that, sometimes that can matter uh, more than overall talent. So, uh, so that, you know, it's going to be a fun series. It's going to be exciting to see how it all plays out. Now, Caruso, do you think he can be all NBA defense? I don't know. Um, he doesn't get, <laughs> a, he doesn't get a lot of steals. He doesn't get a, get a lot of steals and blocks. Right. He's more of a positional guy. And so I'm going to say probably not. But in terms of the team's defensive scheme, uh, he is pretty important there. All right, Roosh, what's your rundown? Yeah, Lakers in five. Um, I think there will be a sixth game that sixth game that Miami gets close to stealing, that they end up eventually losing. Um, so Lakers in five. I think LeBron's going to be the Finals MVP. I really see no way around it, unless he intentionally decides to make AD. Like if he feeds AD and he's like, "Look, you're about to go get it," 
something of that nature. Um, so Lakers in five, LeBron finals MVP. Underrated happening. I don't even know if this counts as underrated, but just something under the radar. I think Danny Green is going to be solid across the board. Um, maybe not shooting percentage, but he's going to hit big shots. He's going to hit uh, a good number of three-point shots, and he's going to play key defense at key moments. Um, I think he will be – when the Lakers signed Danny Green in the offseason, you know, that was a big deal to me because I wanted him specifically for the Rockets. He's just a championship-type player, makes winning plays. So I think you're going to see that from Danny Green. Um, and I'm with Trevor, 35% for the Heat, maybe 38 40% if you want to kind of get, get a little randy. But um, so no, I, I think uh, I think 35% is accurate. I mean, they could they could surprise, but I just have a difficult time seeing them win four out of seven. I think they'll hang in every game. I don't think they'll give up or get beaten down, but I, I just don't see them winning winning uh, four out of seven. So Lakers in five. I'm going Lakers in six. Um, I do think there will only be – two or three close game. I don't think every game's going to be close. Um, I think there'll be games where the Lakers will just destroy in transition and then uh, get a big lead, but the Heat will fight their way back to get it within, I don't know, eight, 10, whatever, but that's not considered a close game in my estimation. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you guys in the percentage. I, I'm right there in that range. I'll go for an exact percent. Um, I'll go 32, 33-ish, uh, but underrated storyline. I'm going to go – I'm going to say Rondo comes away with a 20-plus game. Um, I think he gets one of them. Playoff Rondo, we'll see him one more and go off into the sunset with a championship with the Lakers. Um, yeah, I think he'll want to keep playing, but I don't know. He'd need a big series to keep playing in my estimation. But um, MVP, I'm going to go – I'm going to go LeBron as much as I want to go AD. The only way AD wins MVP, um, it's so based on narrative too. I think the only way he can pull this off is at least one 40-point game. I truly believe that. Um, I don't know if he does it with, with Bam. Um, I think, um, yeah, I think LeBron's going to be the guy. I think he'll average 30-plus this go-around. and um, I just I think Bam's going to do a really good job, but I think, I don't think he's going to stop AD. No, he can't stop somebody that good. Um, great offense always wins. So that'd be my wrap. All right. I like it. I like it. Those are good predictions. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see this series. Trevor, thanks a lot for joining us, man. And best of luck and thinking about you. Yeah, we <laughs> right, appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much. Thank enjoy you. The, appreciate you guys. Enjoy the ride. Me. All right. Have a good one. You too, man.